Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. Hey, let's dive into the sermon. I'm finishing up my sermon series entitled, Good to Know. And what we're talking about are things that'd be good to know. You've submitted questions all summer, and I've been answering those. Heaven, eternal security, regret, living in the world, spiritual gifts, those kind of things. And I've told you today, I'm going to talk about the end time. When is the end of time? Now, the truth is, we, we quit talking about, used to we talked about the end of time all the time when I grew up as a kid. We talked about the end of time almost every Sunday. We talked about the rapture and the second coming and all those things I'm going to mention this morning all the time. Now, it's hardly mentioned. So I, what I want to do today is maybe give you a basic knowledge of what the end times are going to be like and uh, in the beginning of the sermon. And then, at the end of the sermon, I want to give you six reasons why I believe the end is sooner than you think. Now, I don't, I don't claim to be an expert on the end times, but I can at least impart to you some knowledge that will help you uh, understand how things are going to unfold at the end of time. So let me start drawing. Before I draw a timeline on the board, I do want to define some words that you may or may not uh, know the meaning of. For example, I want to define the word millennial. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about people age 24 to 36 or whatever millennial is. Uh, I'm talking about the millennial reign, the millennium it's called in the Bible. You may or may not know what that is, but here's a brief definition. The millennial reign in the book of the Revelation is a thousand-year reign of Christ. It comes after the second coming of Christ, and the devil is bound for a thousand years. So during that thousand years, uh, Christ is reigning on earth. We're here with him. And it's a glorious thousand years, and Satan is bound. At the very end of that thousand years, Satan will be loosed, and there are some things that go on uh, there. I'm not going to get into all that this morning, but you need to know because I'm about to draw it on the board. There are people that can be described as premillennial. They believe Christ is coming back before the millennium. Uh, Postmillennial, they believe Christ is coming back after the millennium. And then there are people who are amillennials who don't believe in the millennial reign. And so everybody's kind of all over the map. We as Baptists, historically, and are uh, pre-millennial Baptists, by and large. Let me define another word for you, and that is the word tribulation. Tribulation just means a time of trouble. But in the Bible, the tribulation is a seven-year period of trouble before the millennial, before the second coming of Christ. Now, the second coming, the rapture are two different things. I'll show you that in a moment. But there are people who believe the rapture will come pre-tribulation. There are some that believe it will come mid-tribulation. There are some that will believe it will come post-tribulation. And then there's some more beliefs in between. I'll explain some of those in a moment. Let me define another word. That is the word rapture. So you don't find the word in the Bible. It is the, it is the rapture of the church. You find it in 1 Thessalonians where he talks about the rapture of the church. That is when the church is snatched away. Now, there's some uh, erroneous beliefs about the rapture, like people say it'll happen in the twinkling of an eye. That comes from 1 Corinthians 15, where the Bible says our bodies 
will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. It doesn't say it will happen in the twinkling of an eye. I don't know if it happens in the twinkling of an eye or not. I suspect it won't, but I don't know. Because all the Bible says it'll happen that quickly. For our bodies will be changed that quickly. It doesn't say, uh, and what Paul meant by that is it won't be a slow change of our body. It won't be a slow metamorphosis. At the rapture, you'll go from an old body to a new body that quickly. Also, by the way, the rapture is what all our songs are about. When you look back at the old hymn books and Almost all of those are talking about the rapture of the church. And that's when the church is caught up. Now get this. It's different from the second coming in that it's not so much that Jesus is coming to us, but we are going to him in the rapture. That's the difference. And that's when the church is raptured. And finally, another term you need to know is the term second coming. That's different than the rapture. Second coming is when God returns to earth and he, we basically end it all. The earth as we know it is done away with. The unrighteous dead rise, the righteous dead will eventually, uh, 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 the righteous dead are risen, the unrighteous dead will eventually rise. This is often referred to as the glorious appearing. And what that means is at the second coming, Jesus is coming in all of his glory, every eye we'll see. What do those events look like on a timeline? Let let me draw one for you, and uh, I'll see if that works. We're going to start with where we are now. We are right here. The church is in the church age. We're in the age after the resurrection. We're in the age after uh, Christ was born on earth. This goes all the way back. This line is infinity. It goes all the way back in what we would call eternity past. But we are right here. This mark is the beginning of what we'll call the tribulation. The beginning of the tribulation is when all of the end begins to happen. If I can say it this way, it is the beginning of the end. How do we know what will mark the beginning of the end? Here's what Daniel tells us in other places in the Bible that the beginning of the end is started when the Antichrist signs a peace treaty with the nation of Israel. So a peace treaty signed by the Antichrist, and by the way, he's not going to go around with a name tag that says Antichrist on his his lapel, but he'll be the Antichrist. He'll sign a seven-year peace treaty with Israel, and when that treaty is signed, then the end has started. What happens after that is signed? Well, Here is when the tribulation period begins. It's a time of trouble. If I could spell, you could get that better. Time of trouble. This is really the way I understand the scripture, the wrath of man and the wrath of Satan. Now, not everybody will agree with what I say right there, but many will. Uh, that That is where... You've heard of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. That is where the four horsemen of the apocalypse are unleashed early on in the book of the Revelation, and uh, terrible things begin to happen on earth. Halfway through this seven-year period is something called the abomination of desolation. That is at the three-and-a-half-year period through the tribulation period. That is a significant event. 
at that three and a half year period, the Antichrist will break the treaty with Israel. Now, here's what we know happens in this treaty. When this treaty is signed, uh, in all probability, Jerusalem will be given back to the Israelites lock, stock, and barrel. They will be allowed to rebuild a temple. They will be allowed to restart the Old Testament sacrifices. When we get to what the Bible calls the abomination of desolation, that's three and a half years in, and the Antichrist will go into the temple. He will declare himself to be God, and on that altar, he will make a, a, a blasphemous sacrifice. Now, we've already had an event in Jewish history that was a precursor to this event, and, and uh, that the Jews even today would call the abomination of desolation. It was when Antiochus Epiphanes was the ruler of the Syrian Empire, and Israel was under his uh, control. And Antiochus Epiphanes uh, was a vicious ruler, and the Jews heard rumors that he died. And so when they heard the rumors that he died, they marshaled a force and took Jerusalem back for themselves. Trouble was, he didn't die. And he heard what the Jews did, and he marched an army to to the Jewish uh, capital of uh, Jerusalem, and he killed 80,000 Jews in three days. He marched with the army, and he went into the temple where they offered sacrifices. And there he declared himself God. He made Zeus the God of the temple, and he slaughtered a pig on the altar of the Jews. It was the worst kind of blasphemy that could be done to the Jewish nation. That was the precursor to what the Antichrist is going to do at the three-and-a-half-year period. He will do something similar. He'll desecrate the temple, but he'll declare himself to be God, not Zeus, and that will break the treaty. Finally, here we get the second coming. That is exactly seven years after this. And that's when God will return in all of his glory. During this time, you'll see things that you hear about often begin to take in place. Armageddon will happen right here. Armageddon will take place right there. It'll be the final attack on Jerusalem. And when Jerusalem is about to be defeated, God will descend from heaven and the end will be over. And after that is the thousand-year reign. After that is eternity future. Now the big question is, when is the rapture of the church? Pre-tribulationists believe the rapture will take place immediately before the peace treaty is signed. Mid-tribulationists believe the rapture will take place at the uh, midpoint when the temple is desecrated. Post-tribulationists believe it will take place at the end of the seven years. There are other beliefs. I'll be honest, you ask me where I fall. Can I say this? You don't have to believe what I believe. You don't have to uh, think what I think. Most of my ministry, I was pre-tribulation. Right now, I didn't even draw this line. I tend to be right here for the rapture of the church something called the pre-wrath rapture of the church, that the wrath of God is not poured out until this section. This is definitely the wrath of God uh, here. And I believe the church will go through much of the tribulation and be raptured out before the wrath of God is poured out. Most would believe here, some, some believe here, some believe here, some believe here, and few believe there. And if you don't agree with me, then that's fine. But that is a basic understanding of how the end of times will begin and how it will unfold. And that we know kind of what's going to happen, 
Let me give you six reasons why I think it may be closer than we think. All right, so now that we know kind of what the end times are going to look like, let's talk about what makes me think we could be getting closer. Could the end be nearer than we think it really is? I don't know if you heard this story about two preachers standing by the side of the road and and they held up a sign that said, the end is near. Turn yourself around now before it's too late. Some car went whizzing by them and just laughed at them and said, you religious nuts, and they drove on and they, 10 seconds later, they heard a big screech and a splash. One of the preachers looked at the other one and said, do you think we should change our sign and say bridge out instead? Well, when it comes to the end of time, we wish the signs were a little clearer. I'm no expert on with some of the things uh, other people could talk about, but I do think the end of time is a little closer than what we think. And when I say the end of time, I'm talking about that moment when we get to that peace treaty or that beginning of the end of time. What makes me think? Let me give you six reasons I think that is getting close. Number one is this. Currency is consolidating. Look at Revelations 13, 7. And that no man may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. The Bible gives a strong indication that at the end of the days, the world will be operating off one currency. So imagine a world where Americans and Canadians and Brits and Japanese and Chinese all had the same currency for goods or services. The world has never seen that. If the planet had a single central bank, that printed all of the money or had all of the currency running through that. In September 1988, the magazine The Economist published an article called One World, One Currency. They predicted in 1988 that there would be a currency they entitled the Phoenix that would go into operation in the year 2018. And they had a coin with the uh, Phoenix on it, and it said 2018. It was held as a future much needed. Well, that didn't happen, but we are closer than we were. What are some things that are moving us towards a one-world currency? I'd say there's at least a couple of things. Number one is a cashless society. We are rapidly moving to a society where cash is no longer accepted. As a matter of fact, just this year, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium down in Atlanta uh, stopped accepting cash. You can't go to a Falcons game or a soccer game with cash in your pocket. If you go with cash, you have to trade it out Uh, They have debit card machines that work in reverse. You put money in and a debit card comes out. They no longer accept cash. Tampa Bay Stadium, Tropicana Field did the same thing in 2019, and they're saying all venues are following. Not only a move to the cashless society, but number two, a rise of the digital currency. Bitcoin, currencies like that. Now, I, I barely understand what Bitcoin is. I don't know enough to talk about it, but here's what I know, that it is a currency that supersedes all nationalities and those are on the rise we say is that a problem well there are some problems with the cashless society and there are problems with the one world currency that are easy to see if we're in a cashless society you don't have a physical asset of money like a coin or a dollar If we live in a one-world cashless society, guess what there always is? There is always a paper trail of where you are, where you're spending, maybe what even direction you're headed. Not only that, if it's all a digital one-world currency, technology breaches could drain your finances. Get this, technology disruptions can make your finances unavailable. 
And the scariest part of all, in a one-world currency, in a digital cashless society, the government could take complete control, whatever government that may be, of your finances with no one to have oversight. In short, the cashless society makes it easier for a one-world ruler to control who gets money and who does not. Who can spend and who cannot. You say, well, we'd never let it get to that. We're already going that direction because we have debit cards and Apple Pay and Cash App and Venmo and all the things that are like that. You can send money through a text. We're already accepting and moving in that direction. And as that consolidates and consolidates and consolidates, we're moving closer to the end of time. Secondly, another reason that makes me think it could be close is security is the top topic. Look in, in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. About the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. When they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. When our nation was founded, freedom was the top topic. Today, that's not so. Today, we have traded freedoms for security, and security is by far, since 9-11, we have been trading freedom for security year after year after year. We want cyber security. We want border security. We want nuclear security. We want terrorist protection. We want personal security, and that list goes on and on and on. And as we give up more freedom to win security, it sets the stage for someone to step on the scene with the solution. And when the Antichrist signs a peace treaty with Israel, for peace and security, the whole world will rejoice. Finally, we have security. But the Bible says when they say peace and security, sudden destruction is around the corner. And security is the top topic, even of the presidential election, even of this entire generation. Number three, let me give you another reason I believe it's sooner than we think, and that is the rise of a unified spirituality. 2 Thessalonians, Paul talked about it in chapter 2. He said, The coming of the lawless one is the Antichrist, is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. The book of the Revelation talks about a, a centralized worship system. There's coming a day when who the Bible calls the, the Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast, the, the Satan incarnate and his worship leader is basically what it is. That they are coming, and in that coming process, they will set up a one-world religion. Now, they're doing that for this reason. Halfway through the tribulation, tribulation, they will step up to the plate and say, I am the God you should worship. You say, well, we would never do that, but we see it happening all around. Paul tells us in this passage that the unrighteous will be fully deceived. Well, why would they be fully deceived? Because here's what the Bible says. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, those who rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ will believe everything the Antichrist has to say. We made the mistake years ago of fighting atheism, thinking that's where the world was headed. The world was never headed to an atheistic place. 
the world was headed to a unified anti-Christianity religion. Here's what Pew Research told us. In 2014, that millennials are less attached to organized religion than their parents or grandparents were at the same age. It's only about 40% saying religion is very important in their lives. However, the same survey revealed that about 80% of millennials believed in God and increasing numbers identify with statements like, I feel a deep sense of spiritual peace and well-being. Or, I experience a deep sense of wonder about the universe. Here's the thing with the millennial generation and the generations to come. They're not eschewing religion for atheism. They're eschewing religion for their own man-made spiritual beliefs. Years ago, we would have said you could never pull the world together for one world religion. But get this, now you are ostracized if you don't fall in line with the theology of this world. If we don't believe exactly what they believe, if we don't, and by the way, they have no basis for the religion whatsoever, you're ostracized. And that rise of a unified spirituality is in our midst already. Number four, the reason I think the end may be near is biblical morality is on the decline. Paul said this in 2 Timothy when he was speaking of the last days, but know this, that in the last days, the time before that seven-year period begins, perilous, dangerous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. From such people turn away. And then verse 13 says, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. I don't have to go through the list, do I? We recognized our generation, lovers of themselves more than lovers of God, blasphemers proud, lovers of money, unthankful. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. The end times will be marked by a stark move away from biblical morality and fulfillment of pleasure and self-gratification. I don't even have to give you a news article, do you? I don't even have to give you any supporting evidence. We sense that and know that even in this generation. Gallup recently did a poll, and here's what Gallup said we believe. 81% say the state of moral values is only fair or poor. 77% say the state of moral values is getting worse. And views have been consistently negative since at least 2002. In other words, you don't have to have the Bible to tell you morality is on the decline. We know it ourselves. As we move farther and farther away from biblical morality, we move closer and closer and closer to the end of day. Let me give the fifth reason I think the end could be near, and that is technology advancements puts the end times within reach. Back to Revelation 13, here's what the Bible says, and I'll explain some of this to you. He causes all, that's the Antichrist, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark in their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For it is the number of man. His number is 666. So when we get to that time in the book of the Revelation, the tribulation period, you can conduct no commerce unless you do it 
through the system the Antichrist has set up. And so we called that system the mark of the beast. That's what the Bible refers to it as. Early on, before technology, we thought it might be some kind of tattoo on your hand or a hologram in your, in your forehead or, uh, uh, or an image on your hand. Well, we don't think that's true anymore. Then, in the 90s and 2000s, we thought, well, that may be a chip implant that they'll put a, like you can do a pet, they'll put a chip implant in the palm of your hand or maybe in your forehead if it can't go in your hand. Now, I don't even think that anymore. I think with facial recognition and fingerprint scanning, it fits perfectly into Revelations 13, 16 through 18. The technology to pull off this economic system of the beast has not even been available until now. The technology makes it possible. None of that, Matthew 24, 14 says this, that the gospel has to be preached to the whole world before the end comes. Before, we would say things like, well, Television will make that happen, but television can never make it happen because there's no way 6 to 8 billion people were going to have television. But with the internet, that's not a problem. The book of the Revelation says there are things that the whole world has to see. Did you know Time Magazine ran an article not long ago about Mark Zuckerberg who uh, started Facebook, who has plans to bring internet to the world. Mark is building huge drones that will fly around third world countries and around the whole globe and bring internet to every person in the world. Here's what he said. Our mission is to connect every person in the world for the service you don't have to pay for. And so they're developing these huge drones. And when the Bible talks about the whole world will see something, that's never been possible. And technology advancement puts the end times within reach. And then finally, I'll say this and I'm done the rise or the start of the social currency. This is probably the scariest thing I've seen when it comes to the end times. China is currently developing a social credit system based on how good of a citizen you are. For example, here's how it'll work. You start off with 1,000 credits, but you can lose credits or you can get credits. If you commit a crime, you lose credits. If you jaywalk, you lose credits. If you don't pay your utility bill, you lose credits. If you speak ill of the government, you lose credit. If you donate to charity, you get some credits. Literally, if you play too many video games, you lose credits. I may be in trouble with Fortnite. If you're declared by the state to be a dishonest person, you lose credit. If your score drops too low, and this is only happening in certain cities now, but China's planning on rolling it out to the nation, if your score drops too low, you are what's called blacklisted. And you could be denied government uh, services like riding the bus in your local town. How does that work? It works with facial recognition software. That when you step on the bus, they know if you're allowed to ride the bus or not. If you get a good score, you get extra privileges. You get a bad score, you're in trouble. It's the perfect system for the Antichrist at the end of days, to operate his one world currency, his one world government, and his one world religion. Is that scary? It's scary when China does it. It's scary when another country does it. In the hands of a one world government, it's terrifying. Close your Bibles and I'm finished. I'm by no means an end times expert. 
I'm literally just an observer, and I'm sure I'm very wrong on certain things. I, I do say the timeline I drew is not far off. And I think the things I talked about just from observation lets us know we're not far off. But the Bible says this in Matthew 24. Oh, by the way, the Bible says this in Matthew 24. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Here's what the Bible says. There's no way we'll ever know exactly when the end times begins. When the peace treaty signed, we know it. We'll never know exactly when that will be. Not only do we not know exactly when it's going to take place, we don't have all the details right. Here's what I always say. They knew, they missed the, coming of, the first coming of Jesus. They knew for thousands of years the Messiah was coming, and there were hundreds of prophets that studied that in every generation, and they missed it totally. And so we've had the same thing. And we're... We're probably off on some things, but we're not far off. So what does that mean to us? It means two things. One, if you're here today and you're a Christian, it is time to get serious. The end is closer than you think. The Bible says there's coming a day that'll be after we die or when this end is here, that we'll stand before God, we'll give an account for every idle word we've ever said, that we'll give an account for every deed done in our body, that we'll give an account for how we stewarded our resources, what we did with what God gave us. Now's not the time to play games in Christianity. Now's the time to get our hearts right with God and to get serious about the Christian life. And there's some of you here today all around the building. You've played around with Christianity for far too long. You've played around with being saved for far too long. And today's the time you said, Lord, you've saved me and now I'll get serious. But then there's some of you here today, if you're not a Christian, it's time to get saved. If you're saved, it's time to get serious. But if you're not a Christian, it is time to get saved because you never know when this is going to happen. And you never know when your end is near. You may not even make it to this point. A lot of people won't. But you can't take the chance that one day, oh, I'll have a chance one day, you never know. If you're not a Christian, it's time to get saved. And I'm going to ask you to do this this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.